This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Two. And as I, was, as I was studying this and thinking about what God might want to say to us uh, through this text, it reminded me, I know this sounds a little out of the blue, but it reminded me how much I disliked homework when I was in uh, school. So um, if I were to ask you to raise your hand if you liked homework, some of you honestly would raise your hand. I'm disappointed in you, but you would. Um, the normal people in here would not um, because there's something about homework we just don't like. It's, there's something about it that we you know, we've already been at school, now we've got to go home and we've got to do more school, and we'd rather do important things like, you know, when you're growing up, like watch TV and play with friends. Like, there's some other things that seem a lot more important at the time. We don't like it. The, there is something, though, that is worse than doing your own homework. It's doing your children's homework. <laughs> I don't know what it is, um, and, and my kids may be in here, um, but there's something about, like, when, they're, when they... They bring home a project or something. They're like, I need help with this. You go, I, already t- I did my time, all right? I spent my time. I've done it. Like, I don't need to be doing this for you. Um, but we do it as parents. We still do it. But there's one thing my kids won't ask me to do, and that's math homework. They won't. They know. They're, they're aware because anytime there's a math problem and I'm like, let me just give it a shot. Well, I'll just give it a shot. Let's see what happens. This is what it sounds like to me when they ask me. It sounds like, all right, um, you're supposed to just, you know, Take this number, whatever it is, you're supposed to divide it by two, add a seven somewhere, don't know why, but there's a seven somewhere, make it a negative, there's something about a hypotenuse, and there's like a line graph, and I go, yeah, this makes zero sense to me. Whatever you're asking me, they're like, oh, it's easy. You know, Tiffany will do it, it's just just as easy. All you do is just, you just divide it, add a seven, where'd you get the seven? It's right there. I'm like, it's not here. I don't, I can't see a seven. Where's a seven? You know, oh, it's just, it's intuitive. I'm like, you know what's not intuitive? Me being able to do any of this. There's nothing about this intuitive to me. I can't figure out what's going on in this math problem. This is, this is the problem with me and math. And my kids have such low expectations of me in, in my math. They just know, Dad, you can't help us with this. This is, this is a mom thing. Like, you know, I, if it's English, that's fine. Unless it's English dealing with, um, like, pulling apart and parsing a sentence, because then they're like, oh, this is the adverbial adverb um, that actually is sometimes a noun, and you have to, you know, I'm like, I don't know, it's just, it's, the, it's run. Run is just a verb, not all the time, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on, and so there's things I can't, I can't do, but math for sure, the expectations are so low for me. They don't even ask, they don't even think to ask. And you know what, if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, We can treat God like this. You know how I know that we can treat God like this? Because we stop asking. There are things that you've prayed for for a long time that you're hoping God answers. At one point, maybe you asked them. But at some point, you just stopped asking them. Because I wonder in our minds if we just think, yeah, I I don't know if God can do this. Now, we would never say that out loud. Because, you know, if I say that out loud, then it seems like I'm doubting God and there's a question mark and maybe is that heresy? I don't know. Like, is that going to, you know, I don't know. But functionally speaking, when we stop asking him, we're actually saying, yeah, I just don't know if my expectations are that you can do this. 
Maybe here's a test for you. How big are your prayers on the regular? I had a friend one time tell me, um, it's, it was a, uh, he, was, he was preaching, and he, he used the phrase, I've used this in here before, he said, are you a big godder or a little godder? What are you? And I think our prayers show whether we expect God to be a big God or a little God. How big are your prayers? What are you asking of Him? What do you run to Him with and, and throw yourself at Him? What, how are you just coming and going, Lord, this is a big ask, I get it, but, but I know you can do it, so I'm just going to continue to ask. I want to continue to demonstrate my faith and my trust in you that you can do this. Or is our mentality like, yeah, I'm going to ask, but I'm not really sure he's going to answer, and so I'm, I don't want to get my hopes up and disappointed, and so maybe I just shouldn't ask. I'll save it. I'm going to save my asking for something that I really, really am looking for. This one, let's wait, as if God has a limit on what he can answer and how much he can answer. What are our expectations of him? Here's my big idea for this morning in Mark chapter 2. What you expect of Jesus shows what you believe about him. What you expect of him or from him actually shows what you believe about him. Do you believe that he is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and he, he, wants, to come, uh, he wants you to come to him in faith and he wants to meet you and he wants to answer your prayers and he is good and he's kind and he's gracious and he is eager to continually be the one that, that, that um, is, is welcoming you in or, or is he in your mind the one who, it, yeah, he, it's nice, but really, at the end of the day, if I'm going to get something done, I'm just going to have to do it myself. What is it for you? What are your expectations of him? What do you believe about him? What do you trust him for? The question is, this morning as we jump into Mark chapter 2, who do you say he is? It's a question for you. Who do you say he is and... If you're saying that he is the king of the universe with all authority in heaven on earth who died for your sins and rose again from the dead and has given you resurrection power in the spirit and is, is calling you to depend upon him in everything, if that's who you say he is, how should it change what you expect from him or of him? As you look at him and say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but man, I'm going to ask big things. I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to bring this before you because I believe uh, uh, that you can do it. And what we're going to see here is essentially a compare and contrast. There's a group of people who are going to ask big things. And there's a group of people who really don't expect much of anything. Who actually are more critical. Grumblers and complainers and those that just are like, eh, Jesus, here he is again. This is a compare and contrast, and hopefully this helps us understand what I mean when I talk about expectation. What are you expecting of him? I'm going to read the text. This is going to be Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 12, and then I'm just going to spend a few minutes just pulling it apart, breaking it down, and then applying it, seeing how we can live it out together. So Mark chapter 2, I'm reading from the, the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. If you don't have a Bible and you want to follow along, you ter uh, the version app is on your phone. You can download it uh, now. It's free. 
and you can follow along in Mark chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. When he entered Capernaum, again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Now let me just stop here. Remember at the end, if you were with us last week, it says that he could no longer enter towns openly in, in chapter 1 verse 45. He couldn't do that. He was in deserted places. And so here we could get, we go, now wait a second, he went to Capernaum. So nobody says, well, look what, look what Mark says. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, meaning that now it was some time. We don't know how long it went, but there was some time between the two. Maybe, maybe the, the fervor had died down and he was able to go back. But this is also his, kind of his hometown. This is his home base. This is where Peter's from. So he goes home. He was at home, probably Peter's house. Here he was. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. He was doing what he had been called to do. People had come. Remember that what we said last week, that, that his whole mission was to go into the neighboring towns and preach the kingdom, the, to go out and tell them about this gospel or this word. And here he is doing it. He's doing what he was sent to do. He's telling them, and so many people wanted to hear it and know what he's saying, that they just crowded into this house so much so that nobody else could get in. They were packed, packed to the doorway. They were, they were uh, listening to what he had to say. And they came to him bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And right away, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded. And gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Jesus had been demonstrating his authority. We had seen that. He continues to do so. As a matter of fact, major theme in Mark. Jesus just demonstrating his authority over everything. There isn't much that he's not demonstrating that he has authority over. He's just constantly demonstrating authority over demons, over sickness, over... over um, Wind and waves, as we're going to see, over food, as we're going to see. Anything, Jesus is just saying, I have authority. And people comment on it. Now, who is this guy? This person speaking of authority. The scribes don't speak like that, which maybe is why they're frustrated here, because their pride's hurt a little bit. Oh, I thought we had, I thought we were the good one speakers here. And they're saying, he is? There could be lots of things going on, but they're wrestling here with him. He, he's in this place demonstrating authority. Here he is again. And this house is jam-packed. Nobody can get into it. 
And it says that they came. Now, it's interesting. This is an unnamed group of people. We don't know who they are. It just says they. They came as if, I don't know if, I don't know if maybe Mark assumed that we'd know, or maybe it doesn't matter. They're, they're literally anonymous. They're not, they're not higher-ups. They're not famous. They don't have names such that we should know who they are. They're just this people that have a friend who is paralyzed, and they've heard that there's this guy named Jesus who has authority over, over the body in such a way that he can heal. They've heard this, and they think, well, maybe if we just somehow get this friend of ours in front of him, we just throw him somehow in front of him, maybe Jesus will do something. There is an expectation from them that Jesus can do something. They're expecting Jesus to do something because they've seen Jesus do things. And so here they come with him and they think, let's just bring this guy and perhaps if we can just get him in front of Jesus, he'll, he'll heal him and he'll be able to walk and it'll be amazing. Let's do it. And as they get to this house, they can't get to him. How frustrating would that be? You, you bring, maybe, I don't know how long they carried him for, but they bring him here and all of a sudden they're, maybe they're trying to fight through the crowd and people are like, get back. You ever like in a, you ever been to like concerts or like crowded spaces and you try to like move forward and everyone's like, get they won't let you. You know, you're like, you can try and get closer to the front. They're like, get out of here. You know, the crowd's surfing back to the back, you know, push them over and pass them back. They're not letting you forward. And maybe that's the case here. They try and push their way forward and people are like, no, I want to be able to hear, get behind us. And they can't do anything. And so such is the desperation, such is the desire of these people to, to get this friend in front of Jesus that they take action. They're not passive. I think that's an important point. They're not passive. They're not saying, Jesus, do something, I guess we'll just wait here. They're not passive. They are very active. They th literally throw the man in front of Jesus. I want to take a look at some of the actions here that, that get them to this place. In verse 4, they weren't able to... Um, oh, sorry, in verse 3, they came, they came to him. They brought this paralytic. They carried him there. They tried to fight through the crowd. They couldn't fight through the crowd. So they climb, dig through the roof and remove it. And then lower him in front of Jesus. They, they do everything they possibly can to just get this man an audience with Jesus. They, they, they run to him. They, they are doing everything. Listen, did they risk disappointment? Can you imagine if, if they did all of this and set him in front of Jesus and Jesus just said, I'm sorry, I can't do anything? Did they risk getting their hopes up and having them dashed? Oh, here he is. We finally got him here. And then Jesus leaves the house and nothing. They did, but, but the question I have is, when in the Bible have you seen anybody demonstrate faith like this and Jesus doesn't respond? You see that? I can't think of a time where somebody takes these many steps to throw themselves in front of Jesus, begging him to do something, and he doesn't in compassion and because of their faith answer or give them something or heal or move. I want you to notice that he is astounded by their faith, and their faith is the actions that they took. Now, it doesn't say anything about, and they 
you know, they saw him and they autom- automatically memorized the whole Old Testament. You know, and oh my gosh, that's amazing faith. You know, they got there and they, they proved to him that he, they had followed the law their whole lives, that, that somehow they had gone to the temple, they, they were all clean. Like, he, they didn't do any of that stuff. All they did was just take steps to demonstrate that they believed Jesus could do something. And they walked it out and they said, here it is. And Jesus said, that's faith. That is amazing faith. You know, seeing their faith, it says that he, he looked at the man. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, let's just be honest, maybe not what they were expecting. Right? It's not what we expect. We expect to hear something like, and he was just amazed by their faith and he, he heals him and the man walks. That's the first thing that happens. But, but this just takes a little bit of a turn, doesn't it? As these people come and they throw themselves in front of him in faith. By the way, how does this measure up with your faith? I mean, as you think about your faith, are we often just saying, look, I don't care. I am going to throw myself at the feet of Jesus and ask him for amazing things. Because I, I, know, I know who he is and I believe it and I'm just anticipating what God might do. Is that us? That was them, and and then they hear, I see your faith. His sins are forgiven. I can imagine maybe uh, that there was some disappointment. Because anybody can say that. How do we know? How do we know that that's the case? Tyler, your sins are forgiven. Okay. I can say that. Did it do anything? How do we know Jesus did anything? I mean, the main difference is I don't have the authority to do that. Jesus does. And so he, he says that. But to them, it was kind of like I can imagine. It was kind of like when I, I got my roof replaced on my house where you, you do all this work and you spend some money and you're, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, nothing really changed, you know? Like it's not like the neighbors are coming over going, dude, nice roof. It's amazing. It looks so good. It's like, oh, you got, this is what happens is, oh you, oh, you got your roof replaced? Didn't even, no, like I couldn't even tell. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's the worst part about getting a roof replaced because there was no, I mean, honestly, there was no drips coming from my roof before and there's no drips coming from my roof now and it looks exactly the same. Somebody could literally say, hey, yesterday I just came as a gift to you and replaced your roof and I go, okay, I can't tell the difference whether you did or not, so thank you. I mean, it kind of seems like this is what happens. They, they're kind of like, okay, thanks. You just for, forgave sins. I, there's no physical, tangible difference. I, I can't tell whether he did that or not. I have no idea. And so they were, in their minds, I can imagine, to use the house analogy, imagine they're coming before him, and they're saying, I'm going to ask him to give me a brand new house. I mean, decked out. We're asking Jesus to provide a home for us. You know, we want a swimming pool in the back. It's what we're asking for. We are asking for a three-car garage. I'm hoping to have some sort of art room or some music room or some workout room or whatever you want in your house, and it's going to be nice. I can imagine myself sitting with a nice cup of coffee and a cold, you know, as cold as it gets, Phoenix Day, uh, with a little blanket. It's going to be nice and Christmas trees, and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for this new house Jesus is going to give me. It's going to be so good. And he goes, I got you a new roof. <laughs> okay. Thanks, I guess. Like... 
It's, it's nice. It's something. Not what we were maybe hoping for. Not maybe what we were thinking that you'd give us. Maybe a little disappointing. I wonder if there was a little bit of a hush going like, oh, okay. Like the paralytics still laying there, you know? It's like, he's like, he's got the same problem he had when he came in. You know, he can't move. Here's what they didn't know. They didn't realize that actually they were asking for a new roof and Jesus gave them a brand new house. Because the thing that they asked for wasn't big enough. The thing that they asked for actually wasn't the greatest need that they had. Jesus said, oh, you're asking for something way too small. Let me forgive your sins. And listen, Jesus isn't just declaring truth, okay? He's not just going, oh yeah, this guy's sins are forgiven. He is forgiving the man's sins with authority. He's saying, yes, your sins now are forgiven you. He's giving them what they didn't know they needed. And church, listen, sometimes this is us, isn't it? Because we keep asking for like, Lord, heal me. I'm constantly dealing with the same sickness. Lord, all my past, it just constantly is, is at me. I can't get away from what, what has happened to me in the past. And I'm asking you to help me forget. I'm asking you to, to help me to move on and I just can't do it. Why is it that I'm not married yet? Why is it that my kids aren't you know, following you? Why, why haven't I been able to have children yet? Why can't I get out of this job I don't like? Why is this the case? And we keep asking, Lord, provide, provide, provide. And he's not answering those prayers the way that we're uh, wanting him to answer them. And we get discouraged. Maybe disappointed, like, I don't know what he's doing. But here's what we do know. Jesus will always answer us with the better answer, though we don't see it and may not understand it. We constantly are asking things that are too small because we don't know what we need. He does. I don't know why, so far, for some of you, you've asked for healing and he hasn't provided it. My question is, are you still asking? Or have you stopped? Because you think, I just don't think maybe he wants me to be healed of this. Or maybe, and that could be true. But the, 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 the question I would have is, is your faith for that like this? What if they just said, look, we've prayed in the temple for years. And it doesn't seem like God's going to answer this prayer or something like this man's still a paralytic, so we're just going to stay home. We're just not going to take him there. It's probably going to be a hassle. The answer is probably going to be that he's not going to get healed, and so why would we even take the risk of being disappointed again? Let's just stay home with our friend here, and, you know, we'll we'll just deal with it. What if that had been the case? Man, they would have missed... Such a remarkable day. Can you, like, this is one of those days where you're like, I'll never forget that day. Sometimes we people say, I'm never going to forget that day. And then like a year later, they forgot that day, you know, because they don't really believe it. This is a day that you're never going to forget. But they just, they still took steps. They, they went to him. And Jesus, in this moment, takes care of his greatest need. Your sins are forgiven. He will heal the man, but in the meantime, a hush maybe goes over, and he senses that there's this other group of people 
who aren't happy about what he said. We see that there's scribes. They're, they're not happy about it. Because they're there, they're already a little bit in a situation where they're like, who is this guy? You know, the scribes are those that knew, you know, knew the law. They understood what was going on. They had the knowledge. They, they knew the Old Testament. They were, you know, they were the ones that would write things down. And they, they understood what was going on. And here, they hear this about this man who's healing. And they're here present. They're still trying to make a determination. Maybe they're here thinking, prove it. I got to, I don't see it. Prove it, Jesus. Like, I want to understand what's going on. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And what an ironic question they ask, because in their hearts, they're grumbling. There's something, there's this grumbly, like, mm, discontentment. You know, some of the scribes are sitting there, it says, questioning in their hearts in verse 6 and 7. They're thinking, why does he speak like this? Why is he saying these things? He's blaspheming. Because nobody can forgive sins but God alone, which is true. He is blaspheming if he's not God. But the thing is, he's not blaspheming because he is God. Here's the difference. They didn't believe it. They did not believe that he was who he was claiming to be. They actually just thought he's insane. And actually, it's this claim, really, ultimately, that would kill him. Because they didn't like the fact that he was claiming to be God. It was something that was so out of the box that they just thought, you know, they had been waiting for the Messiah to come forever. And when he shows up, they just are like, that's not him. Nope. Even though in a moment he's going to actually heal this man, still their hearts are hard. And they're like, nope, we're not believing it. He thinks he's God. This is insane. And they're grumbling in their hearts, and Jesus calls them on it. Sometimes, it doesn't always happen in the Gospels, sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus shows the actual intuition that he has as God. And he does, he can sense what they're saying in their their hearts and minds. He knows, hmm, they're grumbling in their hearts. So he says to them, "Why, why are you saying these things? And and he reasons with them, look, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? You know, Maddie, your sins are forgiven. Said it. Not a big deal. You can't prove whether I said it or not. And whether it's true or not. Did it happen? I was like, I don't know. Like, nobody can tell that. Jesus is saying, is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven? Or to tell that guy who can't stand up, stand up. What's easier? It's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven, but to prove to you that his sins are forgiven. And that I do have the authority to forgive sins here on earth, which you're questioning whether I do. I do because I am God. Stand up and walk. And the man stands up and walks, which should have been something that said something to these scribes of like, oh, maybe we should actually investigate this a little bit more, you know? Maybe there's something about this. Maybe our understanding and belief about who Jesus is should change. But it's going to prove to not change, and they're going to try and take him out. Actually, it's only within the next couple chapters that we see the, the, the plot start to form in their minds as he continues to demonstrate this kind of authority. But Jesus heals the man physically, and Jesus heals the man spiritually. And the result is, they all gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And they they hadn't. Here's the difference. There was a group of people, we don't know who they were, We don't know their names. 
who believed Jesus could do the things that he said he could do. And they took steps to get in front of him, literally throw themselves in front of him to just say, would you, would you help us? And Jesus rewards their faith. And this other group of people are sitting there as scoffers and grumblers and questioners and doubters, and they're not sure what's going on, and they grumble in their hearts. And Jesus doesn't just say, well, that's too bad. No, he says, why are you so hard of heart? Why, why, are, you, why are you acting like this, this way? Why are you thinking this way? It's a, it's a compare and contrast. The question is, how much, how much of each one do we have in us? How much of each one do you have in you? We, we all have a little bit of, of each, I think. But who believed the right thing about him? Who was right? Which group was right? It was the scribes. No, I'm just kidding. It's not scribes. It's this, this they group of people. They knew he can do something. They might not have known the particulars. They might not have known all the theological realities. But they knew, hey, this guy can answer prayer. This guy can, can meet us. This guy can change. This guy can, can meet expectations. Really, no expectations are too high. We think he can do anything the question is, who do you say he is? And do your asking questions of him and your prayers and your expectations of him reflect who you're saying he is? Or are we just a group of people that have really small expectations? Because to us, Jesus is just small. And he hasn't answered my prayers very much. Yeah, I'm not seeing, you know, I'm not seeing this. Or, yeah, you know, I got, I got enough. Um, I'll come to him when things get bad, but man, I'm not, I'm not going to come to him when things are good because things are good. I don't need him now. Like almost as if he's the genie from Aladdin. Like, we, okay, we got a few wishes, so like I don't want to burn them all. So I'm going to try and, you know, ask the big ones when I really need them. But other than that, I'm just going to, he's fine. He's fine where he is. I'm fine where I am, and I'm not going to really go to him for much. I think practically that's how a lot of us function. We'd never say it. Well, it's function. You know, um, hey, what can we pray for you for? You know, oh my, you know my cat, or um, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm nervous. That, you know, um, I keep like stubbing my toe. You know, I just praying I don't stub my toe anymore. You know, you're like, okay, it's cool. Happy to pray for that. I think we can pray bigger things. I think that God wants to answer bigger things. I love the fact that you want to protect your toe. I want to protect your toe. Jesus loves your toe. <laughs> but there are people around you that not only are struggling with a toe, but with a dead heart. There are people who are the mission. You've said it. There are people who need what you have. Look, th this, this a story here, as we, this recounting of what happened in this day these people brought a man, and this man saw radical life change, both physically and spiritually. Radical life change. And we think, yeah, you know, you ever have people in your life, you're like, I, don't think, I just don't think Jesus can actually do this. This person that I'm trying to reach out to, like, you know, as I think about them, there is no way 
that this person's going to listen to me when I talk about Jesus. This is the grumbling heart, I think, a little bit of the scribes. Yeah, Jesus, come on. Like, let's, not, let's just give me someone easier. Come on, uh, who's the easy one? Who's the one that's been to church their whole life and I can just like sli- bring them and slide them in and they'll just fit right in and it won't be a big deal? Oh, maybe we're just not asking uh, the biggest, not big enough prayers. Because maybe God does want to show us some things, but we just aren't as childlike as we need to be. Because if you see this, these people were so childlike, they didn't care how they got there. I mean, I can imagine, this is Peter's, I think Peter's house. At what point was he like, hey, like a, are you going to put that back? Like, what's going on? You just destroyed my roof. Like, I, I did a project where I took a lot of my house apart and put it back together. I'm telling you, not fun. And if somebody else had come in with a sledgehammer and started doing it, I'd been like, hey, it's my house, you know? Not only did I, you know, if my roof was leaking before, like, what if it rains? What am I going to do? You know, at this, at this point, but these, these people didn't care about the consequences. A lot of times, like our kids, when they're little, you know, little kids, they're not thinking. They just destroy everything. You know, and they're just reckless. They'll jump off. They'll jump off the stairs at you. You know, and you're like, you're not ready for it. And then all of a sudden, you have to like catch them the last minute. You're like, hey, warn me. You know, they almost dropped you in the tile. Like, warn me. They don't care. All they know is he can catch me. He can catch me. I'm throwing myself there. He'll catch me. How should it change you and your expectations of him if he actually is who you say he is? And what should that mean for you in your prayers? Some of you, that means if you're not a Christian, you know, we, we look at you, uh, I think, and we were all in that spot. And it was unbelief. It was like, I don't believe Jesus is who he says he is. And I would say, okay, yeah, that, that's actually a good demonstration of why you, you, you don't trust him yet. But I think that if you were to ask questions like, big questions like, Jesus, could you prove yourself to me? Because I, I, I'll believe you if I... I, I just want to see it, I think, I wonder if he would start to answer some of those for you if you're not a Christian. I, I wonder if he would just say, okay, that's a faith question. Yep. I'm going I'm to show, show you who I am. I have two, two questions to live this out. Listen, we want big expectations. Sometimes, look, let me, make, let me just make sure I'm clear. Sometimes we can expect things that are like we shouldn't expect. Okay, I'm expecting a million dollars tomorrow and then a million dollars the next day. I'm expecting him to give that to me and I'm expecting then, um, you, know, you know, that as I rob the bank that I won't get caught, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you're like, no, okay. We're talking about different kinds of things. We're talking about trusting with life. We can ask him things that are like, you know, healing and, and, and friends that come to know him and and help with my finances. And Lord, I do need help. I'm struggling. I'm working hard and I can't. Would you meet me here? How many times in my life has somebody given me a check that I wasn't expecting? You know, like, is the exact amount that I need? We pray and God answers and he responds. And we just want to be thinking through those things. Two questions for us. Ask this, where am I lacking expectations that he will or can work? Like where in your life? Where is it? That you look and you go, yeah, I just am not, I've stopped expecting that he will do anything here. I've just stopped, I've just stopped. I've stopped praying about it because I just don't think he's going to do something. I don't know what that is for you, but I think we all have them. I think we all have something that we've stopped praying for or we just think, nope, 
I'm not going to pray for that because I just don't know if God's going to answer that prayer. You know what I get caught on sometimes? I just think it's presumptuous in my life. I think, can I pray this? Yeah, but is it just presuming too much? And I'm just, look, I think that what I should do is just ask. <laughs> Say, Lord, would you, would you meet me here? Would you help me here? I just know, I know it's presumptuous, but would you just, would you meet me here? This is like a very similar to lament in a different way. Because lamenting, you know, lamenting is that crying out to God in suffering and struggle and just being honest with Him. Sometimes we have a struggle when we deal with a lamenting prayer because we just think, oh, if I pray this, then He's going to be mad at me. If I honestly say, Lord, I'm angry with you right now because of this situation in my life, we think, oh my gosh, is there going to be a lightning bolt that just hits me? Hang over a second. Okay, yep, now I'm, gonna, I'm good because it's going to hit there. You know, we, we don't want to say that because we just think, oh, it seems like I'm somehow disappointing the Lord. Listen, he knows that anyway because he knows your heart. You might as well just write it down or say it out loud in a prayer and say, help me with this. I, I, you know, I want to trust you here. I'm having a really hard time. It's like a prayer of lament. This is very similar. Lord, would you meet me here? I'm, I'm, I'm doubting that you can. You know, I wonder if even on the way... The, the, the people that were carrying the paralytic had a conversation that was like, do you really think he can do this? I don't know. We might as well just give it a shot, though. What do we have to lose? I wonder if our prayers can be like that. Lord, I don't know if you're going to do this, but I'm just, I'm going to ask it. I'm going to ask a big prayer, and I'm going to watch you work. But where is it in your life? And then second is this, with those things, pray, throw yourself in front of him prayers and watch. Meaning, pray prayers like this. You're just like, look, I don't know. I'm just going to throw myself in front of you. You know why? Because I believe you're the king. I believe you have authority. I believe that you love me. I believe that you're for me. I believe that you have compassion on me and you want to work in my life. And therefore, I'm just going to ask these big things because you can do it. I believe that you can. Let me just come and ask. And you know what? He may not answer that prayer the way that you want him to. He might not say, get up and walk, but he might say, your sins are forgiven. He might answer your prayer better than what you anticipated him answering. He might just fall on and answer the prayer. Here's what I know he won't do. He, he's not just going to say, yes, yeah, sorry. That's too big of a question. He, he's not going to say, you know... Um, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but who do you think you are? Because if there was anybody who had done that too, I think it would have been these people. Why would you cut the roof in my friend's house? Get out of here. Also, if he's big enough to die on a cross for you and he loves you enough to die on a cross for you, I think he wants to hear from you. Listen, we... We stand, Christian, as those who, like this paralytic, have already received the uh, declaration that, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. I mean, that's amazing news. If we forgot that, let's just remember it for a second. Your sins are forgiven. You think, I'm asking for a, a new house. That seems presumptuous. He's already given that to you. Might as well ask for the roof. <laughs> you might as well just say, okay, well... 
well, Lord, would you help me then? Like, help me here. Would you save my neighbor? Would you heal my body? Would you help me as I'm dealing with my past? Would you help me as I'm walking through this life? I don't know what to do next. I don't know what my, where my kids are, are what they're doing. I, I, I want to have children. I, I want a job that's going to you know, bring me joy and support. I, I want to do this. I want to be a, a beacon of light for you in the community, but I don't know how to do this. Would you begin like helping me see some fruit Help me see something. I keep telling my neighbors about you, but nobody seems to know you. Lord, I just, I just want to see work. Would you please do it? I'm throwing myself in front of you. I'm throwing myself in front of you, and I'm watching. Because church, listen, Christian, we are very much like the paralytic. Most of the time, we literally can do nothing. We bring nothing to the table. And yet Jesus meets us in his kindness. And this is good news. Amen? Amen. Julie, you can come on up as we pray. What if we were a church? What if we were a group of Christians who expected amazing things about him or of him or from him because we are those that believe that he has the authority in all of the universe to answer our prayers? What if we were just a group of people who are continuing to grow and asking big God prayers because we believe he's a big God? What if we were to start all asking questions like, Lord, would you provide a building for Anchor? And, and believe, like, you can do it. I mean, right now, you know, we can't afford it. Doesn't mean he can't provide it. Lord, what if, what if we said, Lord, would you, would you begin to bring people into this church that don't know you so that at our next baptisms, we have six baptisms, by the way, next week. It's remarkable. Lord, would you double that next time? Let it be 12. You know what happens in my mind when I say that? I'm like, he's not going to. Let's just be honest, right? He's not going to do that. That seems like an impossible thing. Well, I am like the scribes. We'll say, look, no, 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 Lord, 12. What if we all pray, Lord, 12 baptisms next time? People from the community coming on in, knowing you. Is that too big of a question and an ask for him? 3,000 people were added to the Jerusalem church in a day. I think 12 is doable, right? But it takes us believing it and asking it and, listen, listen, taking the steps to walk there. You know, metaphorically, walk there, trying to get through the crowds. We can't, getting up to the top of the roof, digging a hole and throwing it in front of Jesus. I think it, it doesn't, doesn't mean we just go, all right, Lord, do it, and then we go back to doing whatever we're doing. I think it's, Lord, do it. Let me go tell my neighbors, though. Let me go see who wants to know him. Maybe it's this event that we have, this movie night, as we're inviting the community. Maybe we say, Lord, would you bring 100 people to this? Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord, because we want to see you work and move. We want to see you impact people. I, we, look, this church doesn't exist just because we have fun setting up on Sundays. Right? This church doesn't just exist because people are the mission here in discipleship. That does exist for that reason. This, people exi this church exists because we want to grow as disciples and we want to make disciples. We want to fulfill the commission. Like we want to continually be out and telling people about him. We want to see the church grow because I want people to know him that right now this morning woke up with no thought of him, but, but one day might. Look, I want to ask big prayers. Maybe on the podcast this week, Tyler and I can talk about some specific big prayers we can be asking and we'll throw out to you guys to be praying with us for. 
So, so tune in on Wednesday mornings at 8. No, just kidding. Whenever you want, it'll drop on Wednesday mornings, but you can listen to it. Um, there will be a church that expects big things of him. Amen? For his glory, yes? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for uh, this church. Thank you for the opportunity we have to gather and to hear uh, your word and to see you work. Lord, we, oh, we so want to see you move up close like this. Lord, to be somebody sitting there watching it with our mouths wide open as this man stood up would have been amazing. Lord, do things like this among us. Lord, give us, uh, give us your, um, your spirit in fresh ways to be able to ask these things in faith, Lord, for ultimately for your glory. Lord, do it, Lord, we ask. May we expect great things from you because we believe you are a big, God. We believe that you have made everything and you are the king of everything and you have authority over everything. Show us, Lord, in your name. Amen. And let's stand together and sing in response. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.